You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker, coming right up right now. Thank you. 
Well, as uh, the great uh, disc jockey Al Collins would say, hello there. That was his uh, calling card. He always said, hello there. And then, of course, proceeded to get into his spiel. So that's all. That's, all, uh, that's what I'm going to do tonight. But uh, so I've already done that. So I can't. I can't repeat it. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is the Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we have three hours of some of the very best in jazz music for you as we do every Monday night. And, of course, it's the final show for the month of March. It's March 31st today. You know, they they always say there's that old adage which says uh, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb, certainly going out like a lamb right here in Vancouver, living up to its reputation. And, um, well, <laughs> then, of course, uh, tomorrow there's a whole bunch of... Um, Fee increases, ferries, hydro, all that kind of nonsense. Um, it's costing us more and more to live and uh, survive every day. But, uh, well, we'll dwell on the positive rather than the negative. And music is what we're all about, not uh, all that other stuff. So we're going to stick to that. And our jazz feature tonight at 11 o'clock is a wonderful album called Underground by Thelonious Monk. It's kind of an ironic title because when it was recorded, it was actually Monk's second-to-last album for Columbia Records. He had a contract there from 1962 to 1968, and there was one more album after this. It was a big band album. Uh, with Oliver Nelson's arrangements, but this album represents the last recorded evidence of his working quartet with tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. And um, it wasn't long after that that uh, Rouse left Thelonious after uh, many, many years of, uh, about 11 years of uh, uh, playing with Mr. Monk and, and understanding and absorbing his music. Monk was... I would say when this album was recorded was in his last um, days of his artistic career. It was beginning to he was beginning to slow down, uh, and yet this album is unique. Uh, a lot of people used to complain about Monk that he played the same tunes over and over and over again on records. Um, well, he offered four brand new compositions on this album and surprised everybody. These were brand new tunes. Uh, there's a couple of others um, on the recording that are from his earlier era, but uh, amazingly enough, and one of the tunes was his first tune in waltz time. He had never written anything in three-quarter time before. So it's a most interesting album. It features um, not only the last recordings of the quartet, uh, there was another date where uh, Charlie Rouse wasn't available because of a death in the family. So Monk um, did some pieces simply with a trio, piano, bass, and drums. And uh, these are very interesting as well. But there's one more unique thing about this album is Monk rarely recorded with vocalists. 
Uh, he only did that uh, three times in his career. And I'm talking about recorded. That's not necessarily he uh, played with vocalists maybe over that wasn't recorded. But uh, he recorded in 1948 with um, a singer named Kenny Poncho Haygood, very good Billy Eckstein singer. He recorded a very obscure album with a local guy that lived in his neighborhood, a guy with a, a name of Frankie Passions, and recorded a single disc with this guy. Try and find those records. They're very rare. And this one was, interestingly enough, John Hendricks, the great lyricist and vocalist, was visiting Monk on his trio session and simply sitting back in the studio and enjoying himself, listening to Monk um, record some tunes. And Monk asked him to sing. And uh, that's one of the tunes on here. John Hendricks joins Thelonious Monk and uh, sings some uh, made-up lyrics right up the, on the spot uh, of Monk's great tune dedicated to his buddy Bud Powell called In Walk Bud. So that makes this album unique as well. Not only that, and unfortunately this is radio, not television, so you can't see the cover of this album. It's an amazing cover, and although the music didn't win the Grammy Award that particular year, I believe it was 1969, the cover won a Grammy Award for cover art. And um, it's... An amazing cover. I, I couldn't even begin to describe it uh, to you, but um, maybe check it out on your computer, and uh, maybe they'll have the cover of this album. You just type in um, Underground Thelonious Monk, probably, and uh, that'll get you uh, a look at the album cover. It's quite something. Anyway, that's the feature tonight, uh, shortly after 11 o'clock. So... Stay tuned for that. We're going to open with... I've been playing a lot of um, Mingus music in the last little while, especially from a certain period where saxophonist uh, Shafi Hadi has been playing with Mingus. And, of course, that was in the 1950s. Um, Shafi Hadi was born in, in uh, Pittsburgh. His, his birth name in uh, Philadelphia... I'm sorry, uh, his birth name was Curtis Porter, and he adopted the Muslim faith and changed his name to uh, Shafi Hadi. And, of course, he was a prominent member of Charles Mingus's jazz workshop for most of 1957 and 1958. And um, Shafi Hadi plays both alto saxophone and tenor saxophone, an immensely talented musician. Uh, by 1960, uh, he virtually dropped out of the scene. We, we don't know why. Um, he simply wasn't heard from again. Uh, he did show up apparently in the 70s as a painter and had a couple of uh, exhibitions, not only in New York, but in his hometown of Philadelphia. But after that, Nothing is known about him. I've made inquiries to uh, some friends of mine in Philadelphia, and nothing. Um, he just simply dropped out. He would be in his 80s now. But he's uh, one of my favorite saxophone players. 
especially his alto saxophone work. And um, I have been likened to sounding like him. I uh, That's maybe someone else's ears, but uh, um, his alto saxophone work has always moved me emotionally, although I enjoy his tenor saxophone work, too. Um, he had a, a similar style on both instruments, unlike Sonny Stitt, who had two different styles. He had one for alto, one for tenor. Uh, Shafi Hadi basically played the same thing on, on either saxophone. But there was something unique and wonderful about his alto work uh, that I always enjoyed. And this immensely talented musician, of course, is mostly known for working with Charles Mingus. But there was one album outside of the Mingus sphere, and that was on an album that came out on Blue Note Records by tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley. And he brought in um, Shafi Hadi as a second saxophonist and also trumpeter Bill Hardman. And both, of, both Hadi and Hardman were working with Charles Mingus. And I guess Hank Mobley heard them and was impressed and brought them in for this record date. And it's a very straight-ahead uh, recording, recording. Uh, typical recording uh, of jazz in New York in the 1950s. Uh, nothing really innovative on, the, on this recording, but uh, it came out on a Blue Note album, Blue Note number 1565. So here is the band. Uh, Hank Mobley is the leader on tenor saxophone. Uh, the first two tracks, we're going to listen to Shafi Hadi playing alto saxophone. And uh, these are the only two alto tracks on this album. And Bill Hardman, of course, as I mentioned, on trumpet. The piano, Sonny Clark. The legendary Sonny Clark on bass, Paul Chambers. And on drums, the great New York drummer, Arthur Taylor. And it was all recorded at Rudy Van Gelder's studios June the 23rd, 1957. So we're going to open with a rather, just a relaxed, uh, easygoing version of a Rodgers and Hart tune, a standard called Falling in Love with Love. And um, we'll hear the, the full band on that one. Then we move to a composition by Shafi Hadi, a very exciting tune called Mighty Mo and Joe. And it was dedicated to um, two musicians, legendary musicians, bassist uh, Muhammad Ali, no relation to uh, the fighter, and... Um, Tenor saxophonist Joe Alexander, and these were incredible musicians that uh, never really reached uh, national fame, uh, but they were friends of uh, Shafi Hadi's. So he de dedicates the next tune to them, and it's called Mighty Mo and Joe, and um, Shafi really shines on uh, alto saxophone on the second tune. Then uh, we're going to hear him switch to tenor for the third tune. And this shows, again, his compositional abilities. And I love this tune, the, 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 the third and last tune of the set, uh, and it's called Muse. And um, if I'm not mistaken on the third one, uh, Hank Mobley solos first, Bill Hardman solos second, and Shuffy uh, on tenor saxophone solos third on the, uh, on the third tune. Anyway, that's, that's the story. This is his only date. This is the only date Shafi Hadi played outside of the Mingus sphere. And I hope you enjoy the music, starting with Falling in Love with Love. <laughs> 
Three tunes from an album led by tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley, where he brought in a couple of um, relative newcomers to the jazz scene at the time. This was done in 1957, in the summer of 1957. And he brought in uh, Shafi Hadi, who um, it was heard both on alto and on the final tune on tenor saxophone, and trumpeter Bill Hardman. Uh, who was newly arrived in town from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. 
And Bill, of course, was working with um, his first boss, who was Charles Mingus. And uh, Shafi Hadi, of course, was a big part of um, Charles Mingus's jazz workshop, actually from 1956 to 1958. And in the rhythm section, the great legendary Sonny Clark on piano. No one plays so beautifully and so relaxed. Paul Chambers on bass and Arthur Taylor on drums. And we heard uh, the first tune was um, a nice, relaxed, informal interpretation of a wonderful standard by Rodgers and Hart called Falling in Love with Love. And that featured, uh, of course, um, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone and Bill Hardman on trumpet and Shafi Hadi on alto saxophone, the instrument that I prefer him on. I guess maybe <laughs> because I play the alto. Um, the second tune... Uh, was the exciting um, uh, Shafi Hadi composition called Mighty Mo and Joe, dedicated to a couple of musicians. And again, um, he took the lead on that tune and took the first solo on uh, alto saxophone. And the final tune really is the nicest composition of the whole album, I think, and it's uh, Shafi's tune. It's called News. And on that one, uh, he takes the last horn solo, uh, Hank Mobley solos first, Bill Hardman solos second, and uh, Shafi Hadi solos third, but he switches to the larger tenor saxophone on that. And his concept on both of the alto and the tenor is uh, is relatively the same. There's, there's really not that much difference. He had a unique way of uh, phrasing. Shafi is just one of those legendary musicians that... Uh, disappeared from the um, national jazz scene after working with Mingus uh, in the uh, about 1960 and showed up a couple of times later but as a painter and had a couple of uh, exhibitions and uh, all that sort of stuff. Very little is, is known about him. He was born in Philadelphia September 21st, 1929. So that means he would be 80. If he is alive today, he would be 84. Anyway, this legendary musician recorded nothing outside of the Charles Mingus um, albums except this one. And this is his only foray into uh, straightforward um, New York-style jazz uh, on records. So uh, a rather rare item. And it's a, a great album um, by tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley. Number 1564. Five in the Blue Note catalog. Mm -hmm. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We're going to switch to a big band right now, one of the most exciting big bands in the history of jazz. And this band never played in North America. Um, there were two bands happening in the 60s uh, and 70s that were very important. One of them was the Thad Jones Mel Lewis big band. And um, that band still carries on to this day, even though Thad and Mel are gone. Uh, the band still carries on and does a, a one-nighter every uh, Monday at the Village Vanguard in New York um, and carries on with the that that tradition. The other band that was a rival almost to uh, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis was the band led by the legendary, uh, one of the pioneers of modern jazz, Kenny Clark. And it was the Kenny Clark, Francie Boland big band. 
Francie Boland was a Belgian, and he was the band's pianist and arranger and major composer for this band. So they put their heads together. The band never came for some uh, logistical reason. Uh, there was all kinds of plans to bring this band, the Clark Boland Band, uh, a tour of North America and Canada as well. Never happened. And uh, they all the recordings are all done in Europe. They never left uh, Europe. They toured all over Europe, uh, and uh, but never came to North America. Sad to say, the band was comprised of uh, an incredible amount of American expatriate musicians who were living in Europe at the time, plus European musicians. Uh, so it was a real international uh, band and one of the greatest modern jazz big bands. We're going to hear three tunes uh, done in a concert um, at the uh, Théâtre National de Paris uh, in October of 1969. And the people involved in the band um, on trumpets, uh, a couple of uh, three American expats, um, Benny Bailey, the great Benny Bailey, uh, on Art Farmer, and Idris Suleiman, and the other trumpeter, Derek Watkins, is from England. On trombones, we had the American Nat Peck, uh, we had the Swede, Ake Persson, and uh, oh, another uh, a Dane, uh, Eric Van Leer. On saxophones, one of the greatest of all lead alto saxophonists, Englishman, his name, Derek Humble, died far too young. What a great, uh, um, a person that plays lead alto in a big band is one of the most important musicians in a big band. They carry the saxophone section, and Humble could not only do that, um, he was one of the best in the world, and he not only could do that, but he was a great soloist as well. Uh, then we had, uh, yes, a couple of American expa expats in the saxophone section, the legendary Little Giant from Chicago, Johnny Griffin. Yes, and on baritone saxophone, flute, and soprano saxophone, Sahib Shahab. And... Two, English, uh, two more Englishmen, Tony Coe, uh, who actually became famous for um, one of the versions of the Pink Panther. <laughs> Tony Coe, a great musician. And Ronnie Scott, who, of course, um, owned one of the, and it's still going to this day, uh, one of the finest jazz clubs in London, Ronnie Scott's. On drums, two drummers, Kenny Clark and Kenny Clare, an Englishman. Two Kennys. And on bass, another American expat, Jimmy Woody. And on piano, of course, the band's arranger, and uh, he called all the rehearsals. He was the workhorse of the band, the great Francie Boland. So we're going to hear three tunes by this band. The first one is um, a Francie Boland composition. I'll, I'll let you know the soloist after we hear this stuff. Uh, the first tune is called New Box. The second one uh, is a standard tune, beautiful arrangement of a tune called You Stepped Out of a Dream, and uh, that's a, a great standard tune. And the third tune we're going to listen to is by Little Johnny Griffin, and it's called The Jamfs Are Coming, J-A-M-F. 
JFS, which stand for Jive Ass, you fill in the rest. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the title of that tune. And that's the final tune of the set. The Jamps are coming. Johnny Griffin's composition. So here then, the Kenny Clark, Francie Boland, Big Band.
The Kenny Clark, Francie Boland Big Band. And of course, as I mentioned before in the preamble, it was a band comprised of um, American expatriates and European musicians from uh, all over. And one of the great modern jazz big bands. And it uh, never came to pass that they toured North America. There was a lot of talk about it, uh, but it never happened for who knows what uh, what reason. Uh, this was recorded in October, October 29th, 1969, at the Théâtre National de Paris in Paris, of course. And it featured a whole bunch of uh, uh, great people. I'm not going to run down everybody in the band, but I'll, I will give you the soloists of, and the tunes that we heard. And uh, the first... Uh, piece of music was an up-tempo that featured uh, a lot of solos in, in their short solos, uh, as they usually are in big bands. And uh, it was a Francie Boland composition called New Box, and it featured the powerhouse trumpet, first of all, of Benny Bailey, then Francie Boland, the band's uh, arranger and composer on piano, was the second solo. The third solo was on baritone saxophone by the great Sahib Shahab, another American expatriate. Then we heard Derek Humble, the lead alto saxophonist. He took a solo. Following Derek was Ake Pearson on trombone. And then the irrepressible little giant from Chicago, Johnny Griffin, was the cleanup man. Then we heard a standard tune called... Uh, you Stepped Out of a Dream, no solos in that. That's uh, an arrangement by Francie Boland of the tune. And uh, traditionally, there were never any solos in that particular piece of music. The last piece of music was called The Jamfs Are Coming, J-A-M-F-S, Are Coming, written by little Johnny Griffin. And we heard uh, Sahib Shahab, on soprano saxophone, take the first solo, another powerhouse solo by trumpeter Benny Bailey, and then, of course, Mr. Griffin had to uh, take a few choruses, because that's his tune, and the final solo was by Ake Pearson, the trombonist. So we hope you enjoyed that uh, step into uh, some great big band music recorded um, in Gay Paris. In uh, 1969, the Kenny Clark, Francie Boland big band, and uh, some wonderful people in in that band. Of course, Kenny Clark was one of the pioneers of modern jazz, along with Max Roach. He really wrote the book on uh, modern jazz drumming, and um, he was the co-leader of the band, and his partner, of course, born in Namur, Belgium. Francie Boland, the band's uh, chief arranger, organizer, and pianist. And the two of them put their heads together and formed this great band. And it lasted for uh, about a dozen years, uh, where they toured all over Europe. Unfortunately, never came to this side. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and we are broadcast from the uh, Hallowood Halls of uh, UBC on radio frequency 101.9 on your FM dial. 
And, of course, we're on your computers as well, which is www.citr.ca. And we're going to continue with some more music. This time, some selected performances by Stan Getz, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, no doubt. There were times in Getz's career, he had a long, long career in, in jazz music, there were times when uh, he, he went to Europe for a, a couple of years um, in the late 50s, got fed up with the, um, um, actually he, w- he was touring with jazz at the Philharmonic and decided to uh, pack his bags and uh, uh, he was in the throes of um, divorcing his wife and getting the hell out of the country, which he did. And he moved to Europe in the late 50s and, of course, performed over there, met a new lady uh, who became um, his, uh, his wife and uh, uh, was generally very, very happy over there and very productive. And gets returned to the United States in the early 60s, about 1961, and because of his absence and because of the rise of Sonny Rollins and especially John Coltrane, the the jazz fans of the time looked upon Stan Getz as yesterday's man. And when he came back to his first uh, engagements in New York City, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, Stan Getz. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's, a, yeah, he's, he's okay, you know, but I... I Coltrane is the guy that's really doing it. And a lot of young fans uh, uh, kind of went that way and and the jazz public. And and this is not taking anything away from John Coltrane. Um, But my good friend John Handy was a witness to to this. Um, It was very interesting. Uh, John Coltrane and Stan Getz, were buddies, and for a long time they were friends, and Coltrane uh, acknowledged Stan Getz as a major influence, and uh, they got along very well, and interestingly enough, uh, they played opposite one another at uh, the Jazz Gallery, a big, uh, a jazz cl- an important jazz club in New York City. So Coltrane's band would go on and do a set, and then Stan Getz's band would go on and do a set. And it was very interesting to see the young audience uh, for Coltrane was made up mostly of um, young uh, African-American fans. And, of course, they were there and listened to every note that John Coltrane played. Then during the set break, then Stan uh, Stan's band would get on the, on the bandstand, and, and they would all leave. And and uh, John, my friend John Handy, witnessed this. Uh, it was very interesting. And Coltrane himself, and he actually heard John Coltrane uh, talk to a group of young men who were saying, "Well, we're not going to stay around for for Stan Getz." And 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 Coltrane was trying to convince them to stay. As a matter of fact, he would pay for their cover for them to stay and listen to Getz. And, 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 of course, they were impressed by this. And my friend John Handy was a witness to this. And uh, they said, well, you know, Stan is like, you know, we've, we've heard all, all his stuff before, man. And Coltrane said, you know, we would all 
including myself, loved to play as well as Stan Getz. And that stopped these young men, and they stayed and were mighty impressed with Mr. Getz. So it was kind of an interesting time because it was a time, uh, that time in particular was a time of uh, uh, a little bit of racial tension in the United States, and it affected the music as well and people's attitudes and all that kind of stuff. Most interesting. But um, I, I repeat that story just to give you the impression and how much respect that Stan Getz got. And uh, although he became very popular and was an immensely successful musician, he always seemed to resuscitate his career. Um, he died quite wealthy um, and, and had an extremely successful career in jazz music. But he deserved it. And uh, we're going to hear some Stan Getz. First of all, in the company of, this is an amazing performance, by the way, uh, in the company of Dizzy Gillespie. This is Diz and Getz together. This was done in 1953 when Getz was living in Los Angeles. And uh, this is an all-star group. Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Stan Getz on tenor saxophone, Oscar Peterson on piano, Herb Ellis on guitar, Ray Brown on bass, and Max Roach on drums, recorded in December of 1953. I defy you to get up and dance to this. It's called, It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. Thank <laughs> you. 
I think those guys mean business 
recorded December 9, 1953 in Los Angeles, an all-star group put together by Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy, of course, on trumpet, leading the band. Stan Getz on tenor saxophone. Oscar Peterson on piano. Herb Ellis on guitar. Ray Brown on bass and driving everything along. Max Roach on drums. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Written by Duke Ellington. And uh, superb performance. This is from a couple of years, about three years later. Again, Dizzy Gillespie is part of this band, along with Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone, who is uh, one of my favorites. Stitt is wonderful on this. But Stan Getz on this piece steals the show, as far as I'm concerned. The swing and his just what he does on here is unbelievable. The In the rhythm section, uh, John Lewis uh, at the piano, Herb Ellis on guitar, once again Ray Brown on bass, and Stan Levy on drums. The tune is a Russian folk song, and it's called, the, the Russian uh, title for it is Ochichornia, but it's known as Dark Eyes. And it's funny because Stan Getz's family um, were originally from... Um, the Ukraine, as a matter of fact, and um, uh, they were Ukrainian Jews, and they emigrated to uh, America, etc. And of course, Getz was born in in, uh, in Philadelphia, but uh, his background is that. So maybe he was thinking somewhere along the lines of the historical significance of this, because it was it was a very very popular tune in. Um, Russia, the Ukraine, all those, all those places uh, that were part uh, at the time of, uh, of greater Russia. Um, things are a little different now. <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that, what's happening now. But uh, anyway, maybe Getz was thinking about that. I don't know, but whatever he conjured up on here, his solo is incredible. And um, you can hear the, uh, the cheers and the excitement. Even though this was done in the studio, you'll hear the guys uh, just... Woo, yeah, um, talking in the background when uh, when Getz is playing. Anyway, this is a great version of Dark Eyes.
a rather amazing performance by this all-star band from a Norman Grant's produced album called For Musicians Only. And that featured, uh, of course, Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone, and uh, the star of this piece, of course, was the first uh, saxophone solo by Stan Getz. And as great as Sonny Stitt was, Stan Getz stole the show on, on this tune, hands down. The rhythm section, John Lewis at the piano, Herb Ellis on guitar, Ray Brown on bass, and Stan Levy on drums. And the tune was a, a traditional Russian tune uh, known as Ochichordia, and uh, known by all of us as Dark Eyes. And uh, as I said, Getz uh, found something on, on that tune. Our final uh, tribute to Stan Getz, um, I guess we can call this a Stan Getz trilogy, uh, is from one of his most famous albums. It's called The album is called Focus, and it was recorded in 1961. And it is, it stands as one of the all-time most innovative and creative albums uh, not only in Stan Getz's uh, personal history, but in the history of jazz music. And what it is, it combines uh, a string section written by a wonderful arranger who went back uh, into the 40s, wrote for Benny Goodman, all kinds of stuff, wrote really innovative uh, um, music, and a, a most talented man, his name was Eddie Sauter. And he wrote a whole series. This whole album is actually a whole series of uh, string performances and gets, um, improvises on top of the string section. And what we're going to hear uh, on this album is my favorite track, um, and which features a great Stan Getz improvisation. And, of course, the, the wonderful string writing. Like most string writing in jazz is, is kind of a little bit treacly and, and a little bit saccharine. Um, Eddie, Sauter, uh, Eddie Sauter, of course, was, was uh, a much more sophisticated kind of writer. And, of course, he had studied with classical composers and so on. This is what makes this album so unique is is the writing of Eddie Eddie Sauter and of course bringing out the the creativity um, the improvisational creativity of Stan Getz and he's a perfect soloist for this um, there were plans to travel across the country and tour for several years uh, doing this music it never happened because uh, not long after that, Stan went into the recording studio with uh, guitarist Charlie Bird and recorded an album called Jazz Samba. And that was the end of the Focus Project because Jazz Samba became an absolute hit record uh, to people even that didn't listen to jazz music, um, sold millions of copies, and, of course, resuscitated Stan's career as one of the purveyors of a new rhythm called the Bossa Nova. And uh, this particular project was kind of shunted aside. But we do have this album, Focus. It stands as one of the 
most creative jazz albums. So we're going to hear, as I said, my favorite track from here. Uh, the title is I'm Late, I'm Late. You remember Alice in Wonderland, The Rabbit Hole, The Rabbit, Always Late, Always Looking at His Watch. There you go. That's where the title comes from. The drummer on here is the great Roy Haynes, uh, who does some incredible work. And, of course, the string section, conducted by Hershey Kay, written by Eddie Sauter, and, of course, the improvisational talents of the one and only Stan Getz. Check this out. Thank you. 
I'm late. I'm late. That's the title of that. 
An improvisation by Stan Getz, and of course the strings written by the great late Eddie Sauter. And the strings were conducted by a gentleman named Hershey Kay, and the drums were played by the great Roy Haynes. And of course, Mr. Getz on tenor saxophone. February 2nd, 1927, born in Philadelphia, one of the great masters of the tenor saxophone. And this is from um, the opening track from this wonderful album called Focus. And uh, we did a jazz feature on this whole record, um, I guess a few years ago, but it's I think it's overdue to do it again because it's a gorgeous album. There's some beautiful ballads on here and just some uh, wonderful original music. And um, this, of course, what we just heard, is uh, the most exciting track on the album. So there you have it, a uh, trilogy of Stan Getz with uh, two tunes with, uh, in the company of Dizzy Gillespie and, of course, uh, this one with uh, this string ensemble. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and coming up next is uh, something I think you're all familiar with. We're slated to have a very beautiful day tomorrow. Tonight is a few clouds, a little bit windy, and maybe some uh, fog patches overnight. Nothing serious. A low of four, you know, because there's still moisture in the air. And, and tomorrow morning there'll be a few fog patches around, but they'll dissipate very quickly. And we're going to get into a mainly sunny day. And quite beautiful, much like today, with a low of four and a high of 11 maybe even more. And Wednesday, more of the same. Sunny, low of 4, high of 12. Uh, Thursday, cloudy, with a low of 5, high of 12, indicating a change in the weather. Friday, well, periods of rain, with a low of 8 and a high of 11. Saturday, rain, with a low of 7, high of 12. And Sunday, more rain, periods of rain, with a low of 7 and a high of 13. So, there you have it. So, enjoy tomorrow and Wednesday, and uh, Thursday may not be too bad either. There's no precipitation in the forecast for Thursday. So plan plan your day around that. It's interesting that spring break is, is over, and the weather was lousy for spring break, and now it's quite beautiful. But uh, there's going to be a downturn this weekend. Sarah Vaughn, one of the great singers, probably had the most amazing of all voices. Um Sarah had, uh, her range was incredible, and um, she could sing literally anything, uh, and she just celebrated an anniversary, a birthday, um, March the 27th, as a matter of fact, and um, Sarah, of course, uh, recorded tons of uh, music uh, in different contexts, um, 
her jazz recordings, of course, stand at the top. She recorded um, pop songs. She did mood uh, music albums and all kinds of things. Her her range was was really amazing. She was born, um, as I said, March 27th, 1924, in Newark, New Jersey, and passed away April 3rd, 1990, in California. And, of course, she won Grammy Awards and so on. She was an amazing singer and also a very, very good pianist as well. Sarah, of course, uh, in the early days when she was young, sang with Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, um, all kinds of people, and gained the respect of uh, musicians almost instantly. We're going to hear three tunes. This is Sarah with her little band that she had together that uh, uh, she kept her trio with the great Washington uh, pianist John Malachi. And uh, he's a very underrated pianist. Joe Benjamin is the bassist. And Roy Haynes. He found uh, a home with Sarah for uh, a number of years in her trio. And uh, the great Roy Haynes on drums, who we heard uh, with with Stan Getz. Um, This stuff was recorded in April of 1954 in New York. And we're going to hear three tunes. We're going to hear this first one is an improvisation. It's a minor key blues. She introduces the whole band on here. It's a neat piece of music. Uh, Sarah didn't record a lot of scat stuff, but this is one of the finest, and it's called Shulia Bop. The second tune, of course, is a tune that Billie Holiday made famous, Lover Man. And Sarah does her inimitable version of that tune. And the final tune is... um, a tune that I've always liked, her, her kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek interpretation of a tune called They Can't Take That Away From Me, written by George and Ira Gershwin. So three songs by the great sassy Sarah Vaughan. I'm Sahua, we do, baby. 
way you wear your hat The way you sip your tea The memory of all that No, no, they can't take that away from me The way your smile just beams The way you sing off key The way you haunt my dreams No, no, they can't take that away from me We may never, never meet again On the bumpy road to love Still I'll always, always keep the memory of The way you hold your knife The way we dance till three you change your life No, no They can't take that away From me, no They can't take that away From me The way you hold your hat The way you sip your tea The memory The memory of all that No, they can't take that away from me The way your smile just beams The way you sing off key, key, key The way you haunt my dreams No, no, they can't take that away from me We may never, 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 never meet again On the bump, bump, bumpy road to love Still I'd always, always keep the memory of The way you hold your knife The way we dance till three The way you change my life No, no, can't take that away from me Can't take that away from me Those three songs, I think, defining what a jazz singer is all about. Of course, one of the greatest, Sarah Vaughan. And we heard her with her trio, John Malachi on piano, Joe Benjamin on bass, Roy Haynes on drums. The first tune was uh, Sarah's own composition, basically a, a minor key blues called Shulia Bop. And the second tune, of course, was the classic Ram Ramirez classic, Lover Man. And the third tune was the Gershwin's they can't take that away from me. Sarah Vaughn from a great album called Swingin' Easy, recorded in 1954. Our jazz feature is coming up in a very few moments, just uh, briefly uh, mention, and we'll be getting into a little more detail as to uh, the jazz festival announcements. There's some very important uh, people coming this summer. And we'll be doing that um, extensively next month, where we're going to start the ball rolling on uh, telling you about the Jazz Festival. But one of the things you can do right now is to get on the uh, website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. That's very simple, coastaljazz.ca. And just uh, click onto that site. It's very comprehensive, and uh, it will tell you a lot of things. You can order tickets on that site as well, and uh, you'll be able to see all the people that have been announced so far at this year's Jazz Festival. That's coastaljazz.ca. Also, 
Brian Nation's website, which of course is VancouverJazz.com, another very comprehensive website. Find out what's going on um, in and around Vancouver, all the gigs uh, that are popping up here or there and everywhere in different spots, and um, that's very easy to access, VancouverJazz.com, and uh, that's will tell you everything that's going on in uh, as regards jazz in Vancouver. One more thing, of course, my buddy Ken Speller, uh, the repairman. Yes, he's a woodwind repairman. Saxophones, flutes, clarinets, etc., etc. Ken is a wonderful musician and a great repairman. Uh, he works out of his home. He lives at uh, 13th and Lonsdale area in North Vancouver. And... Um, He's able to keep his prices down because he works from home. He's got all the stuff that's necessary to repair instruments and tune them up, put them in shape, uh, clean them up, uh, replace the pads, springs, all that kind of stuff, which is necessary on all of these instruments, especially woodwinds with all the keys and rings and all, all, all that kind of stuff on them. Uh, Ken is an expert at it and, uh, and a very, very fine repairman. His phone number is 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933. And you can reach him via the internet, K Speller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Good man to know. Uh, if you're a pro, uh, amateur, student, whatever, um, you need to keep your instrument in shape. If you play saxophone, flute, clarinet, all that kind of stuff. Thelonious Monk is the subject of our jazz feature. This is an album called Underground, but it's it refers to the unique Grammy-winning cover, not the fact that Monk was an underground musician. Yes, he was, but by the time this was recorded, Monk was... Uh, moving toward the end of his artistic life and his public life, um, but he had been recognized. Uh, he was on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, he was recognized as a, a jazz icon, a giant, an influence, a, one of the greatest composers in the music, and one of the most unique artists uh, in jazz. And... Um, this uh, the term underground uh, really doesn't didn't apply to him only the cover of this album which I won't go into a lengthy description because this is radio and you can't see it but uh, if you could I'd love to show it to you but look it up on the net just uh, type in underground Thelonious Monk you may you may see a picture of this <laughs> incredible cover and it won a Grammy so. This recording is unique in that it's the last recording. Uh, it's the second last recording that Thelonious did for Columbia Records. His long contract uh, started in 1962, went on to 1968. And this is, these are the last recordings of his working quartet with the great tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. And um, these performances, uh, there are three tunes uh, by the quartet, and we're going to hear them first. They were recorded uh, at the tail end of 1967, uh, and following that are a few more tunes 
by Thelonious, but without Charlie Rouse. Um, at a slightly later date, Rouse couldn't make the date because he had a death in the family, so Monk decided to do um, some tunes as a trio with um, himself on piano and bass and drums. And uh, so we'll get to those. But first of all, I'd like to play you the three uh, tunes by the quartet. These are four brand new or three brand new compositions that Monk wrote. A lot of people were saying at this time, well, Monk was playing the same tunes over and over and over and over again. They were getting kind of a little bit um, discouraged and said, oh, he's lost his creativity. Well, surprisingly enough on this album, he composed four brand new tunes, and uh, we're going to hear them on this album. This is one of the things that makes this album so important. And the first tune has got a rather strange title, and it's the only tune that Monk ever wrote in waltz time, and it's going to open our set. The tune is called Ugly Beauty, a typical puzzling Monk title. The second tune is dedicated to his daughter, Barbara, the late Barbara Monk, and her nickname was Boo Boo, and the tune is called, dedicated to her and her birthday, and it's called Boo Boo's Birthday. And it's kind of a complex maze of a tune that only Monk could do. My favorite track is the third tune. It's called Green Chimneys. And it's a, pretty, it's a very simple-sounding tune, but very complicated. It starts in um, a minor key, then moves to a major key. And it kind of goes back and forth. And it's a, a very interesting... Um, minimalist kind of a tune that only Monk could uh, come up with. So the, the, the opening salvo will be these three tunes by Monk's working quartet. Uh, along with Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Larry Gales on bass, and the great Ben Riley on drums. And we start our jazz feature with Ugly Beauty.
We heard three tunes by Thelonious Monk's Quartet as part of our jazz feature this evening, the album Underground. These were the only three tunes recorded by the Working Quartet with Charlie Rouse, of course, on tenor saxophone, Larry Gales on bass, and Ben Riley on drums, and of course, Mr. Monk at the piano. Three brand new compositions written for the date. The first one was called Ugly Beauty, and that was Monk's only composition that he ever recorded in waltz time, or ever wrote in waltz time. Uh, The second tune was dedicated to his daughter, Barbara, whose nickname was Boo Boo, and uh, the tune was kind of a monkeyan maze. Um, I think uh, uh, rather had all kinds of properties, uh, and that was a typical monk composition, if one can call any monk competition uh, composition typical. Um, and it was called Boo Boo's Birthday. The final tune is my favorite track of the whole album, and of course that was the mysterious sounding uh, minor key going to a major key um, minimalist composition called Green chimneys and that was dedicated actually the title of that was um the school that barbara was going to it was an uh, um the monks had come into quite a bit of money and they sent uh their daughter barbara to a private school and the school was you know uh, one of those away from new york city and rural um older building and it had green chimneys and that inspired the title for that tune that's why it's called green chimneys we move to a little later date uh, this time without charlie rouse he was absent because there was a death in his family and he couldn't make the recording so this is mr monk this is thelonious with um the same people larry gales on bass and Ben Riley on drums. We're going to hear uh, a composition called Thelonious, and then we're going to hear a second one, a brand new piece recorded called Raise Four, and um, that features a, um, a modern jazz device called the flatted fifth, and uh, or the raised fourth. Uh, those of you that know music theory, and that's. uh, So the title became Raise Four. And if we may have time for one more, I'll tell you about it when we hear it. So first of all, we're going to hear the tune Thelonious. Thank you. 
one and only Thelonious Monk. We heard two tunes to uh, complete the uh, jazz feature for this evening from his album Underground. And the two trio tunes we heard, the first one was uh, an old one that he recorded uh, many years ago called Thelonious. And the second one was one he put together um, for this particular date. And um, it's called Ray's Four. And, of course, Larry Gales on bass and Ben Riley on drums. So we heard the bulk of the album, the classic album, his uh, penultimate album for Columbia Records called Underground. And, of course, by that time, by the time this was recorded, um, Monk was hardly an underground figure. He had been for many, many years, but uh, um, he was recognized as one of the great movers and shakers of jazz music in the 20th century, one of the great pianists um, with a, his own unique style, uh, his composing. Um, he was on a level with people like Duke Ellington. Um, and, of course, um, he had been uh, uh, honored with uh, uh, a Time magazine cover and all kinds of stuff, and everyone knew about Thelonious. The The term underground refers to the very unique cover of this album, which I'd love to show you, but I can't do it on the radio. But uh, you might be able to find it if you check it out on the Internet. Just type in Underground Thelonious Monk, and the cover probably come up, uh, and uh, you'd be able to see it. It won the cover, not the music, but the cover won a Grammy Award because it, uh, it is so unique, and uh, that's how this album came about. It was his, um, la- his second to last album for Columbia Records. He had been under contract from 1962 to 1968, and there you have it, The Great Thelonious Monk. We're going to uh, take a vacation for a week and uh, be back next week with uh, another edition of The Jazz Show. Thank you very much for being out there this evening. My name is Gavin Walker, and you, of course you're listening to CITR-FM 101.9 or on the web, www.citr.ca. But uh, there's more music to come. There's a brand new show uh, with Shay. Uh, she'll be on in a very few moments. And so uh, don't touch the dial for an entirely different musical trip than uh, I've offered you this evening. So we hope you have enjoyed the jazz show, and we'll see you in seven days' time on behalf of myself, Gavin Marker. Take care, and uh, good night. Ba-do-ba-dee-oo